Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film The Wrong Missy. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware that there may be spoilers. Enjoy. hi hello there um i'm loving your background today uh, should i say oh hi ronimus bosch <laughs> um paddy's background on this call is is a Hieronymus bosch um piece of art uh which is truly fitting for this week's film isn't it yes it totally is i i actually didn't do that intentionally i was going through all the backgrounds that i had saved in my google meet from when i've trolled you with them before and that was just the first one that came up the best one I could find. <laughs> I thought you probably you were probably sick of staring at Gold Member, at the the uh, like DVD wraparound for Gold Member that had been my background for <laughs> months. <laughs> um, I'm surprised that you didn't do the Hieronymus uh, Garth that oh, I sent yes. you the other day, where someone put Garfield and John Arbuckle into uh, a Bosch painting, and it's truly horrific but in a perfect way. I've never seen um, any of the Garfield films, have you? No, I have not, and I have no intention of watching them. Oh, well, I think I know what we're watching next, then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I'm thoroughly looking forward to that, slash not. Um, I know that in the movie... Um, Zombieland. Have you ever seen Zombieland? No, we've mentioned this many times. For the many years we've been doing this show, it's one of those films. Go, Have you seen it? No. You say, oh, it's good. I should watch it. Yeah. And then there's one that I kind of like, I don't care about it enough that I will eventually get around to it, but I will always pretend <laughs> that I will. Do you know what I mean? It's in that category. Yeah. The kind of lower tier yeah. of films that I might be interested in. It's a solid horror comedy. Um, maybe it'll turn up on the the podcast in in Halloween month at some point because there's some romance in it. Um, but yeah. there's other stuff that we should we probably get round to during that time than this. Um, but that has a very funny Bill Murray cameo in it, where um, where spoiler alert, Bill Murray's character dies because it's just a cameo, and one of the characters asks him, "Do you have any regrets in life?" And he says, "Oh, maybe Garfield," <laughs> and, which. Uh, that's funny. I think tell, tells me all I need to know about the Garfield movies. I can't imagine they're particularly enjoyable. So Bill Murray, adult. I didn't even know he was in one of the Garfield films. Does he, he play is, Garfield? He, he is Garfield. He's the voice right. of Garfield. Did horrifying he, he CGI Garfield. Get into a, like a horrifying dog's man in a cat, cat suit, like in um, Call of the Wild. That technology <laughs> didn't exist then. Unfortunately, not. No, I think he's just the voice. Um, yeah, it's uh, and. Um, What's his face from Road Trip is John Arbuckle. Who from Road uh, Trip? The main, Tom Green. The main guy. <laughs> if only, no, the main guy from Tiny Road Trip. Tiny kitten swimming upstream. <laughs> <laughs> meow, 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 meow. Um, yes, it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, I've forgotten his name, but the main guy from Road Trip. Reckon Mayer. That's it. came it. to me. Yes. It's a distinctive name. Even though when, when we watched it, I was like, I've never seen that guy in anything else. And yeah, so clearly I've definitely never seen Garfield. He's he's in Clueless. 
Oh yes, that's right. I- iconic, iconic rom com that we covered in like episode three or something of this podcast. It was very early on. Yeah, may even have been yeah. single, single digits, single figures. Yeah. Um, but he's not in this week's movie. Unfortunately, not. No. There's no <laughs> link between is... this and Garfield, is there? There, there's very few links in this movie, in this week's movie, to anything we've done before, actually, um, apart from one very obvious exception. Which is that um, it's kind of like a Schneidloon adjacent film, isn't it? Because it's from yeah. Happy Madison Productions, which is Adam Sandler's production company. Always a sign that you're about to watch something not very good <laughs> when that is attached to it. Um, <laughs> so this week's movie... I don't know about is... that. I'm just opening my list of Happy Madison Productions <laughs> so I can say, you leave the bench warmers alone. <laughs> I've never but seen it. Happy Happy Madison Productions. You Let's leave Paul Blackmore Cop alone. Let's see what movies actually were made under Happy Madison, because um, obviously I think some of the key Adam Sandler movies weren't made under that, were they? Because it was no. set up in 1999. The first film that they've ever done, which obviously is going to be the opening, the, the, the centrepiece of the Schnorgest board, Juice Bigelow, Male Gigolo. <laughs> We've been talking about it for so long now that I think it's taken <laughs> hold, on like a hold, mythical hold, quality. Hold on one moment. Hold on one moment here. <laughs> There's just something I have to bring up, and this is going to come up in the episode as well. Juice Brigolo, male Gigolo, was a massive success. Well, it cost 17 oh, million budget-wise. It made 92 million in worldwide gross. Oh, 1999 what was is, a good time. What is going on? That's truly obscene. Um... So, so what was made under under this? So, I suppose Fifty First Dates. Actually, no. To be fair, Fifty First Dates is a good film. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, what else? I'm looking through the, the list. Hot Paul Blart Mall Cop Two. I've, I've not seen that. You've not seen Paul Blart Mall Cop Two. I know Paul Blart Mall Cop One is on there as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just calling out the sequel specifically. Oh. Joe Dirt Two, beautiful loser. What the hell is Joe Dirt? Joe Dirt is An another David film. Spade. Oh. Um, he's a redneck, and that's the joke. Right, that is the joke. He's definitely worthy he's, of a sequel. He's a, he's a redneck, and that's the that's the joke. Um, apparently, that was a massive failure financially. Oh, you, you do shock me. Um, oh no, sorry, I was looking at Little Nicky, which was a massive failure. Joe Dirt was oh, a was moderate it? success. Um, Little Nicky, I used to find funny when I was fourteen. <laughs> that's always the sign um but of course now all their movies well most of them anyway are um are netflix releases aren't they yeah there's an interesting upcoming one called spaceman have you heard of this one no is it's he a spaceman yeah so adam sandler's a spaceman but it also stars paul dano and Kerry mulligan and it looks oh. reasonably serious it's based on a book called spaceman of bohemia um when i worked at for a big publisher, it was published there, and I remember it being quite successful at the time. But I never got around to reading it. Oh, and Channing Tatum has produced it. There you go. Hmm. Okay, I don't know how and why Adam Sandler's attached, apart from starring as the main person. But he's obviously he's he's shifted towards the seriousness, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely. Um, he did the movie that was serious that everyone liked, Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems, a very serious film with lots of very serious swearing in it. That's how you can tell it's serious when the swearing is serious swearing and not comedy swearing. 
Yeah. That's how you know you've got a real movie is when they're saying fuck instead of fuck. <laughs> Which is the, the 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 comedic way to say it. It's word. all in the way you say it. It is. It is. Um, and then he's had another one that's just come out, which is about seriousness as well, hasn't he? Has he? Yeah. Um, it is called Hustle. Hustle. And it's about sports. I think oh. it's NBA. And he's a sportsman. He's a scout oh. who does sports things in, in basketball. Oh, this looks this looks all right. It's um, done all right, I think. I think people have moderately enjoyed it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so yeah, he's he's making serious stuff now, which is interesting because he will always forever in my mind be tied to Jack and Jill. Yeah, <laughs> he will always be Billy Madison to me. He will always be like a, a fifteen-year-old kid with with like a hat with a propeller on it on his head, even though that's not what you actually <laughs> wore in Billy Madison. But that's what it is in your imagination. That's what it's always is. that of him holding up a bag of dog poop and going, "Here's a nice piece of shit." I think the the wedding singer is always going to be him to me. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I think, like the I wedding think, singer. That is... I think that's the quintessential Adam Sandler movie for me. Yeah, um, but who knows? Maybe, maybe Spaceman Sandler will be be the winner. Yeah, maybe that'll completely, completely change things. And maybe it will um, stop everyone talking about Punch Drunk Love as being the only good serious film that he's in <laughs> because it's rubbish. <laughs> I really did not like that film. <laughs> well, it's not rubbish. It's like you look at it and go, "I can tell that this is good," but somehow it's still not enjoyable to watch. It's, it's just in that category of film, isn't it? It's yeah. pretentious, which is the main problem. It's just, yeah, we it's know not garbage. It's garbage. It, it's garbage. It's <laughs> what it is. Um, but he also did Funny People, which I've heard is good, which is a sort of comedy dramery thing, isn't it? Yes, I've not seen that. Um, which I've heard is good. It's Seth Rogen as well, isn't it? And Judd Judd Apatow did it. Um, so um, yeah, Adam Sandler. Maybe there's going to be a full a full rethink of him as an actor. Yeah, no, if, if you listen back to Sandloon last year, you'll know that I'm, I lean more towards being an Adam Sandler apologist than a denier, certainly. I am a, an Adam Sandler heretic, <laughs> on the other hand. But, but there are certain movies of his which I think are good. Um, but, but in general, when you look at Happy Madison as a, as a, as a production house... It is not, it is not, does not have a very good track record with quality movies, even if it manages to sometimes get financial success, but not always financial success. Yeah. And, you know, this this week's film, The Wrong Missy, is no exception to that rule, is it? (laughs) No, no, it is not. Um, So uh, did you know anything about The Wrong Missy before we sat down to watch it? No, nothing. I think I remember passing over it once while I was flicking through Netflix and not thinking anything of it. Um, But you, well, I I knew exactly what you had told me last week, which was that it starred Lauren Lapkus, who we'd seen in last week's film, so there was a link, and David Spade, who's that guy where I'm like, oh, who's David Spade again? And then I need to see his face to remember who he is, because I've not seen much of his work. David Spade is, if you can't get Adam Sandler and you can't get Rob Schneider, you get David Spade. But in this one, Rob Schneider was right there. He was in it. He he was, but I think he maybe would look a little bit too old and maybe wouldn't fit the profile of this character. Um, Because in this movie, the main character in this comedy is humourless, which always goes well in a comedy movie. Yeah, he's Um, literally the driest man you could imagine. He's sandpaper. He's a rich tea biscuit. 
<laughs> that's that's too much of a compliment. What's a worse biscuit than a rich tea? A hobnob. In terms of, he's an absolute hobnob. No, but hobnobs have texture to them. Uh, this needs true. to be like a like a a, a, a diet sugar free rich tea biscuit. Mm, yeah, that, yeah, that's, those ones that have, yeah got that label on. Yeah, that's you know um, what I'm talking about, guys. You know, if you know, you know. <laughs> the 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 incredibly expensive sugar free. Um, gluten-free rich tea biscuits that are sold in the free-from section in the supermarket. Um, yeah, it's all purple. Is is that the the color for for gluten-free? Is that is that like the indicator? Maybe. Maybe, maybe it is. Yeah. Maybe that. Maybe that's the like, prejudice of me. But I I look. I walk past that section of the supermarket. I go, Why is it all purple? This is what <laughs> Prince was all about. The gluten. That's that. That's that's. He ate so much about. wheat. Um. Purple rain, raining gluten. Yeah. When doves cry, yeah. gluten. <laughs> um, so, so this this stars David Spade. Um, David Spade, most famously known for um, such important roles as playing General George Custer in the Ridiculous Six, which is a pastiche of The Hateful Eight, which is a Quentin Tarantino film. Ago, I never want to ever see it. <laughs> The Hateful Eight starts off incredibly well and then gets incredibly bad very, very quickly, actually. I'm not a fan of that one. Um, right. They they make the mistake. Spoiler alert for The Hateful Eight. They kill off Kurt Russell very, very early on. Oh, well, that's you, always... You never do that to Kurt Russell. A man with that much charisma, you need that in your movie. That's a red um, flag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he also is well known for roles like Monica in Jack and Jill. I don't know who that character is. Again, I've seen that film. Um, no idea who that character is. <laughs> he plays uncredited transvestite groupie in I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. Oh, that is no. the name of his character oh, in geez. that movie. That's one we're going to have um, to watch at some point. I mean, whenever there's Sand Loon Part 2 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and apologies for using that word, but that is literally what he is called. Um, he is the so voice bad. of someone in the Emperor's New Groove. Oh, Kronk. Yeah, Kronk's, the, ma- Kronk's the main guy. He's Cuz... He's... He's, uh, he's yeah, he's Cuzco. Emperor Cuzco. Oh, Emperor Cuzco. Groove. So, oh, yeah, and Kronk, Kronk is the, the donkey animal in that, right? What kind, Kronk, what no, kind of Kronk animal is, is it? the... Kronk is... Um, uh, it's the same person. He's that he turns into a llama. He turns into a llama. That's right. Or an al- No, it's an alpaca, um, isn't it? It's an alpaca. Same thing. Um, <laughs> welcome to La- wrong about biology cast. No, Kronk. Kronk is the big. Kronk is the big beefy boy. He's the he's the the meaty boy who's um, the ally of uh, Isma, the henchman. That's right. And the sequel was Kronk's New Groove. It's all coming back to me yes. now. Yes. Um, played by Patrick Warburton, who is wonderful. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> but Patrick Warburton is not in this movie. But yeah, that, that, those are sort of like the key, the key David Spade uh, movies. He's in The Bench Warmers. He's in Joe Dirt. He's had success as a talking alpaca slash llama in The Emperor's New Groove. But he is intrinsically tied to the Adam Sandler, Rob Schneider era of comedies. The Sandlerverse. And the, and yes, the Sandopticon, as it were. Um, yeah. and, the Sandopticon uh, via Saturday Night Live, which stands in the middle of the Sandopticon looking down on all of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> beaming down its rays of not being funny on everyone. Um, and this movie is is very much one of those kind of films. Um, it is a oh, it's a chore. <laughs> it's a chore to watch. It's it's a chore every time Lauren Lapkus is not on screen. When she is on screen, you're like, oh, okay, I am genuinely kind of interested to see what she does next. Yes, yeah, that that is that is true. And I was I was going to talk about that a little bit. Um, she is naturally funny. I think we can say. Yeah. Um, I think it's fair to say that I, she is the one saving grace of this film because her character has the kind of wild card energy as um as uh oh i've forgotten the character's name but um melissa mccarthy's character from um from bridesmaids oh yeah you never quite know what she's going to do next and it adds a certain unpredictability and a certain spontaneity to it so even when you know sort of okay she's going to do something erratic and going to do something that's completely inappropriate because of the way that she acts it it always slightly takes you by surprise yeah, and it's not just that she's being chaotic for the sake of it. It is actually funny, is the thing. Yes, yeah. Um, it's almost like, it's almost akin to the kind of Jim Carrey performances from the early 90s, isn't it? It's that similar kind of human slapstick. Yes, absolutely. And I feel like she could carry off a lot of similar roles if they were to remake all of those films with her. I think that would be really good. That's what I want to see. L- Lauren Lapkus is the mask. Yeah, would be. I'd I'd fully be on board with that. Liar, actually. liar. Lauren Lapkus. That's two double L's. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. It's God's God's way of telling us we need to make this film. Yeah. Um, Both but of yeah, them no, do she, very good gurning. She's yeah, very good gurning, very good faces, very good falling over. Um, and yeah, I think she she doesn't save this movie because this movie is awful, but she makes it bearable. Yeah in certain in certain places um she elevated so, it from a film i would have been actively annoyed at having to watch to one that i was just like well i'm, gl- I'm mild, glad i'm never having to see annoyed. this again <laughs> yeah mildly irritating yeah um so so um a little bit of an overview of this the story um david spade's character tim somehow has more than one attractive woman interested in going out with him at any one moment in time in spite of the fact that he is to quote many important philosophers a soy boy beta car in every way <laughs> to shape quote before. Karl Marx Confucius <laughs> and Jeremy Nietzsche Benson <laughs> referred yeah. to Tim from The Wrong Missy as a soy boy beta cuck. Um, his his character is humorless, dry, boring, entirely predictable, and he he's got a weak chin. He's got weak shoulders. Yeah. I'm sorry. He's wet milk. I'm sorry, Tim from The Wrong Missy, but you are wet milk. To to coin a phrase, um, he is he is incredibly poor as a character just a very yeah. boring character and you know david Spade s- can only work with what he's been given script wise right but you still felt like he was phoning it in yeah and it's weird because he's known for giving these much more energetic performances than this in certain other roles like joe dirt it's a very caricature based performance so this is kind of a bit odd from a from a david Spade performance yeah for an snl guy who they they mostly do character stuff it's like well, this is yeah this is very dull very dry yeah yeah and so he goes on a blind date and runs into missy lauren lapkus's character who he doesn't like because she's she tries to get him beaten up uh she talks about inappropriate things and then he tries to escape through the toilet and she makes a poo joke 
um, which obviously is the sign that she is not a right woman for a stand-up man yes. like Tim Morris. <laughs> um, women don't poo. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows women don't poo, and they certainly don't talk about pooing. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, but then he's going somewhere. He's going on a. Is he is he flying somewhere for like a? business trip he's doing some kind of business transaction yeah and at the airport he's a very important businessman who does a business he does a business he's a very important man of the business world it's all to do with numbers all to do with the money and he's very good at the money and the business he gets people to to buy the money he He gets people to buy the money but they buy the money at more than the money's worth so he makes more money yeah i think he's like a crypto bro He's a, exactly he's a, he's an nft salesman that's what he does yeah. um and uh so um he's at, at one of his various business trips he runs into someone else who happens to be called missy and they hit it off because she also has no personality <laughs> um and that's so uh, true and and uh they they part ways it's it's a it's a sort of meet cute thing where they accidentally take each other's bags at the airport or whatever you know the same same stuff you've seen in rom-coms over and over again um but um it just so happens that tim morris i'm gonna keep calling him by his full name i think timothy morris timothy morris um has to bring a date with him to this work retreat for some reason he can't go on his own he's got to bring somebody um and so he invites Missy along, but he invites the wrong Missy. Hence the title of the hence film. The, hence the name of the film. But on the poster it says there's no untexting her now. As if there's a point at which you can untext someone. <laughs> That's very true. That's Terrible very poster. true. Um yeah, there's no untexting anybody ever. You can't untext someone once it's once it's gone. Um <laughs> But yeah, so he accidentally invites the wrong Missy along and he doesn't realise until they're on the plane together. And of course he goes, oh my God, this is the woman who does poos. She comes and sits next to him as if, and like that's the first time he's seen her, as if you wouldn't have seen her in the departure lounge or like queuing up to get on the plane or whatever. Yes. I mean, although speaking of people and their characters, Timothy Morris strikes me as a man who gets to the airport five hours early is there waiting at the gate, annoying everybody else, standing there, tapping his watch, being, I want to go get on the plane. Missy strikes me as someone who turns up very, very late, just makes the, the cut-off time. So maybe yeah. their paths would not have crossed. Some Somehow it turns up at the airport with like half an hour or less to go and still makes it. Oh, in fact, we we know... In fact, we do know, contextually in the movie, they do explain it because she was held up at security because she brings a giant knife along with her. That's right. Yeah, there's this running weirdly incongruously like grim joke of her carrying a machete around with her (laughs) yes which which never has any point in the plot i was waiting for a moment when the machete like when they were being attacked by the shark there is a shark attack scene in this movie everyone i thought she'd dive in with the knife and try and swipe at it or something but no it never comes up no never there's a lot of stuff like that in this film isn't it that kind of also elevates it from being mundane mundane to being actually weird but not in a good way (laughs) Yeah, it's it's weird in a way that this movie is not structured like any movie should be, but not in a way where they're breaking those misconceptions in an interesting way, in a way where it's just been written badly. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. 
Um, so well, yes, yeah, so they gone, go along. Have his boss have a sort of madness of King George thing going on throughout the film, <laughs> culminating him in him pretending to be like King Triton from The Little Mermaid. I've skipped ahead, I know, but I'd say that was something I actually liked. <laughs> you liked the 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 King Triton boss angle. Um, yeah, I can I can see that. I can see that. Um, so yes, so then of course, yada yada yada. They don't get on. Slapstick happens, and then he realizes actually she's quite interesting and she does something to benefit him so he immediately then becomes more attached to her because the only what thing What does she do? Man... She save his life from a shark or something? No, she uh, hypnotises the boss to like him. That's right. That's the turning point. Well, did she save someone else from a shark or give someone CPR? There's something where she does Oh yeah, she saves like... the Oh, she she's an okay person boss. now because she did a, good, a nice thing. She she literally saves someone's life and that's the first time that Tim Timothy Timothy Morris can ever see anything good in her um, when she saves somebody's life and then she then hypnotizes that same person and tim thinks oh this has benefited me in my businessness in my in my business transactions therefore i like her now um but then of course it all falls apart because it has to where she finds out that she was in fact the wrong missy and then it all culminates in a very very limp ending um yeah it's all tied up extremely quickly while people fly on a plane to that vampire weekend song that's always on those oh, kind of scenes. It's a vampire weekend. Oh, <laughs> Saturday with Dracula. That's yeah. <laughs> that one. Yeah. You, you no, know the one. My weekend's you know a vampire. That one. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, right. No, so, I, I like that vampire weekend song. I can't remember what it's called, but I like it. It's called Weekend with do, Dracula. Do, do, what are you do, do. Weekend with Dracula. <laughs> do, 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 do. Um, sucking all your blood that's the one <laughs> yeah that's the one um and uh but the the end of this movie sorry we're not going to talk about things chronologically the end of this movie is one of the most irritating things because you have got vanilla ice. The, you've <laughs> no even before that you have got the wrong missy right here who has been shown throughout the movie to be really impulsive and chaotic and that strange elaborate things happen when she's around now i was expecting and i was kind of looking forward to it in this film that when she found out about um about the fact that she was the wrong missy that she was then going to go and break the uh hypnosis on the boss at a very inopportune moment when everyone was around and chaos would ensue and then all sorts of stuff there'd be a man on fire there'd be everything going on because that's what was in keeping with that character and it felt like it was this culmination of the longer that he kept this lie going, the worse it needed to be for him. But it never, that never happened. When she found out, she just left. And then there was just real damp squib of an ending where he apologizes and she's, she accepts it. And it's like, well, no, where, where's, where's the Missy energy gone? Of course, because a, a romantic comedy could never show a man actually losing out in, in any way or actually <laughs> losing anything or actually facing the consequences of his actions. No, and the and the only thing that happens is that he 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 says the 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 word the code word to stop the the um, hypnosis, and then um, and 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 then he loses his job, and that's how it ends for him. But he he chooses to do that as opposed to having that chaos put on him by his own actions. He never loses ownership of the situation, and it's really frustrating because it's like no, he needs to have his comeuppance properly for being a bastard. And that's but the he never thing. Does. E- even though the whole film, the premise of the whole film is that he's ended up in this chaotic situation that's like a real problem for him, it's still actually somehow all in service of him getting what he wants romantically. 
Yeah, and and it's weird because his character is not very likable at all. And so for for that kind of sympathy to work where he's on in the situation with someone who is very different. Um you kind of need to have the sympathy for his character in some way, but you don't because you've got a businessman, you've got you've got sugar-free rich tea man <laughs> surrounded by other irritating business people who have nothing going on. Their favorite band is Oasis. Yeah. Um, Stereophonics fan Carlin. convention. Yeah. <laughs> the Stereophonics <laughs> fan convention, right? Um, and and in the middle of all that, you've got two characters who have personalities. You've got Jack Winston, the 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 evil megalomaniac boss who is funny and wants to do things like go shark diving. I thought he becomes, was a great character, and, and I then becomes a King whole film about him. Yeah. yeah, and then you've got and then you've got Missy, and so you've got these two wild cards in there amongst a sea of beige why are you going to root for the beige when you've got characters with actual personality because that's what gets your film onto netflix i guess <laughs> speaking of netflix did you see we're, we are definitely living in a in a, the dystopian future by the way paddy did you see today that um you know uh squid games yes i have not seen it but yeah they they are doing a real life one um not where people die it's Squid Game, but it is a real-life game show being made by Netflix where 456 players compete for 4056000 no, $560,000. And it's like, okay, well, the whole point of the original movie was a critique of capitalism and how this kind of thing is, is abhorrent and terrifying. Uh, and Netflix have just decided, we're just going to completely miss the message of this show that we, we put on and just do it for real. Oh, good. It is also worth noting that Netflix is, of course, in deep financial trouble. Um, they've made a series of very bad missteps. Um, I'm sure it hasn't helped that they've had a creative brain drain because they kept making transphobic stuff and everyone who was intelligent at the company quit and moved into different jobs. Um, and uh, and obviously they've then been churning out dog shit for a, for a while. Sorry, Netflix, but you have. Um, why are they now spending uh, uh, at least... million dollars plus all of the production costs of the show to create this game show yeah that's a really bizarre move but people will watch it won't they you you know that that's going to be the show that everyone is talking about when that comes out but and we are living in black mirror but and when we are in black mirror yeah um but are people going to sign up to netflix or maintain their subscriptions because of the squid game game show is it not just going to appeal to people who watch Squid Game? Yeah. And then the to the subsection with... of people who watch Squid Game who didn't realise it was a dystopian fiction about capitalism. That's the problem with subscrip- subscription models in general, isn't it? How do you actually yeah, get new people to sign up? And that's the thing, is when you're beholden to, to shareholders, um, you need to keep expanding and expanding and expanding. And that's the problem that Netflix has fallen into, is they're creating these things... Uh, thinking about how they can outplay the market and get more subscribers in to keep their shareholders happy, to keep their board happy. Um, Whereas, in fact, what about having a quality core content that maintains their current user base as opposed to dropping users? Um, Because I don't see this as being the kind of thing that expands, but I also don't see it as the kind of thing that actually is a benefit to the existing um, people they have in place. 
No, and do you think they're trying to do too much? Is it all sort of they're they're trying to churn out too much content? Should they just focus on a few things and do them really well, and that'll be enough to keep subscribers? I don't know. I'm not an expert in this kind of thing. Yeah, I think Netflix. If you want to find out the answer to this, hire me. I will. I will <laughs> gladly us. accept two million pounds a year to solve all of your problems. Uh, partner <laughs> speaking, with Wolf Boy Productions. Partner with Wolf Boy Productions. Create all of our movies. We've <laughs> yeah. got. We've got Wizard Cop one through eight. We've got we've a present got, for the president. Starring Matthew Warhammer McConaughey, Hearts, who actually is going to run for president soon. Who who is inevitably <laughs> going to, isn't he? Um, we've got Warhammer Hearts. We've got um, uh, what was the opposite je- day? Je- Jelly Storm. <laughs> Jelly Storm. <laughs> Uh, opposite day um yeah we've got all of this ready to go i i think with netflix what they needed to do is we can guarantee you at least three new subscribers <laughs> me me you and My one dad. of our spouses yeah. possibly <laughs> um what 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 netflix i think needs to do is is focus on doing some things really really well and then mopping up stuff that's cheap for them to get the rights to to add to the service yeah because it always seems like they get something it's on there for like six months and then it goes yeah and and, and what happened historically was that's the kind of thing they did where yes you had things like stranger things that were really good as these original content creations for them um i saw the first episode of the new series it was good oh is it good i've not watched any of the new one yet i've been watching the new episodes of the boys which is which is great boys boys it's a very silly name which i think i think the boys might be the best thing in terms of tv at the moment really yeah thinking about it as in in terms of a a counterculture show in the way that it very very acidically targets superhero genre and how how impressionable that is on on culture at the moment and the way that it targets american right-wing culture in the same way i think is makes it probably my favorite show on tv at the minute i think it's that good Because I saw a trailer and I thought it looked silly, but it it is silly. It's very funny and violent, um, but underneath it all is a very anti-capitalist uh, critique of superheroes and the way that they that ties into right wing politics. Oh, very good. Um, it's yeah, it's it's a very interesting show. Um, but that's not on Netflix, is it? No, that's uh, Amazon. Oh, um, which you know, shame it's on Amazon. It's uh, run uh, by uh, a literal supervillain. <laughs> <laughs> run by an actual supervillain. But then the guys who run Netflix are evil as well, aren't they? Let's be honest. They're all evil. They're all, all of them, they're all all of them all are evil. evil. Yeah. Did you um, see though that Netflix announced the new Castlevania? Um and it's called Castlevania Nocturne and it's based on Rondo of Blood and Symphony of the Night. So it's starring Richter uh, and it's okay. gonna be probably more like what fans of the games want. Because interestingly, the Castlevania animated series seems to have more fans who actually aren't familiar with the games and just watched it because they've gone on Netflix and gone, oh, there's something that looks like sort of horror vampire anime. I'm down with that. Um, so there actually isn't as much crossover between fans of the games and the show as you might that, think. That's right. Yeah, it's the 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 initial series that's on at the moment is very, very standalone you don't need to have played any of the games to understand it and no. i think even the characters are different it's loosely based on castlevania 3 dracula's curse yes where it has those those four those four key protagonists in that game but it doesn't really tie into that that game at all no and i like it i've watched the first series now it's good it, i think it's what it's done with it is really interesting and really good but it's like it's it's it's, its own thing but to actually have an adaptation that is close to those two games which are amazing it's yeah it's gonna be awesome 
So I, I just want rest. Netflix to stick around long enough for that to happen, and then I don't care what happens. <laughs> I, I want I won't rest until we get a Castlevania adaptation, which is entirely true to the game experience. So there's no dialogue. It's just <laughs> everyone a man just walking, walking around really stiffly. <laughs> it's a man walking in a straight line for two hours, whipping Medusa heads. No dialogue, nothing like that. That that's all I want. Occasionally gets knocked back into a pit and dies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then inexplicably is alive again. That's what I want from from my Castlevania adaptation. How dare you adapt anything from the source material? I want things exactly as they are in the source material. And eventually Dracula's there at the end. (laughs) Yeah, with no context. And then you kill him and that's it. And that's the end. Um, So anyway, right. How on earth do we get onto this? There we go. Netflix. The wrong Missy is it's a Netflix production, isn't it? It's a Netflix it's a Netflix movie, and again, I don't know how much this would have been of benefit to Netflix to create this film or to pay for this movie to be made by by Happy Madison. Yeah. But it probably wasn't that expensive. I mean, I'm sure I'm no, sure I, David Spade cost enough money, but there hasn't got anyone who else who's massive in it. No offense. No, Rob although Schneider. although <laughs> although talking about the the rest of the cast um, you've got Jorge Garcia in a little cameo. Um, do you recognise him as Hurley? Oh, Hurley, yes. <laughs> Hurley's in this. I mentioned that, yeah. Um, but then, then you do, of fan. course, <laughs> you then do, of course, have Rob Schneider playing basically the same character as Fifty First Dates. Yeah, but slightly less racist. <laughs> slightly less racist. <laughs> it's Not of, entirely. He just kind of toned down his character from Fifty First Dates, made him a bit yeah. dull, and here it is. Yeah, it's not entirely not racist. It's just well, slightly it's less Schneider. racist. Yeah, I mean you can't you can't get rid of all the racism from his performance. Um but then you've got you've got Sarah Chalk in this movie. Why are you in this film, Sarah Chalk? You'll we'll always brilliant. have a place in my heart because of Scrubs. I mean, I think she's genuinely um a very funny, very talented actor. Um and she's really good. She's sorry to bring up Rick and Morty. I know you're you don't watch it but she's the voice of beth in rick and morty and she's very very good who's beth so that Do is want to know that? morty's mother rick's daughter right so the generational divide between the rick and the Morty. oh so the old man is his granddad right yes yeah you should That's... it is it is genuinely funny if you just ignore the fact that the fans are rick and morty fans the show itself is, is genuinely good um which is always the way, isn't it? It's like with Star Wars. You can yeah, enjoy yeah. Star Wars and just completely ignore Star Wars fans. I love Star you'll be Wars, better but I off. never want to speak to another Star Wars fan ever. <laughs> exactly. But but she's yeah, she's she's very, very funny. She's very talented. And this mo- in this movie, again, she's completely wasted as um another business transaction lady who is the ex fiance of David Spade's Timothy Morris. And yeah. then they sort of have a threesome but don't. There's a really, yeah, like, the weird, horrible sex scene where they, they end up having a threesome, but yeah, the joke is that Missy keeps on kicking her like in a very weirdly, graphically violent way. Yeah, accidentally, I might add. It's not deliberate kicks. It is yeah. just... It's a sign that Missy and Timothy Morris are are truly in love because they are not focused on the other woman in a threesome. That That's the, the deep meaning of this movie. Yeah. That and a bit of comedy, comedy violence, which is sim- similar to there's a scene where she literally falls off a cliff and like whacks herself loads of times on the way down and lands on the beach. And you're like, that would have killed anyone. And she just gets up. <laughs> she's she's the wrong. She's the wrong Missy. Apropos of absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, Did you also notice <laughs> that Jackie Sandler is in this movie? Yes. 
I um must admit I had not seen her in anything before, and I thought her performance was fine. She's she's all right. Yeah, business, she's business she's rival. Yeah, she's the business rival. She's the Barracuda, <laughs> which again is not explained that name. <laughs> which is, but you can kind of get the understanding of that, like you know, being a a, a predator in the business sense. You get the sense that she's the very calculated, bold business transaction person. Yeah. that's up against Timothy Morris. And there's a weird scene where there's like a talent show and she's doing a rap. That scene came at you out of nowhere. Like yeah, a there's, there's this very strange scene where they're doing a talent show and there's shadow puppetry followed by a rap and it's not funny in the slightest. Yeah, you're like, where did this come from? And again, those are those kind of moments where the, it's weird, but not in a good way. Not in a way that makes you sit up and go, okay, I'm interested. It makes you go like, what the hell is going on? It's it's yeah it's very strange. You're kind of thinking, what what on earth is this? Why is this here? Um, it's it's very odd. And once again, it's a scene where where the wrong Missy doesn't actually play that big a role. No. And you're like, why have we not got more the wrong Missy in this movie? Yeah, is, I believe isn't it after she's gone off? No. So she is there and she does something like put a lemon near someone's bum, but. Oh, that's right. There's a, sh- a shadow. Uh, there's an ass coming out of a lemon in the shadow puppetry, right? Yeah, and it's look. We already covered things coming out of an ass in shadow puppetry when we did Austin Powers. <laughs> I don't want to have to cover that ever again. <laughs> that's very strange, isn't it? It's that we have covered two movies in this podcast <laughs> that have but shadow puppetry. Um, <laughs> but shadow puppetry. That's my new band. Um, that's a great name for a band. Um, but yeah, no, she's fine. I've not seen her in... Well, I think I've seen her in some stuff. She's in Little Nicky, apparently. Um, but um, All right. But yeah. I've not seen that since I was about 15. No, no. And she she is the dentist in Fifty First Dates. I don't even remember there being a dentist in that movie. Um, but but yeah, so... But yeah, she's she's decent enough in this movie. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a weird... It's a weird cast of people, some of which are beneficial to the film, others are wasted, others add literally nothing. Um, and that's partly because their characters are so so dull that they, yeah. there's kind of no point in them being there whatsoever, really. Every character in this film is dull. You feel like they spent, they spent all, apart from Missy, they spent all their time on being like, how can we make her chaotic and funny and good? And then the rest of it will just kind of hang off that. And you still need to write the other characters, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is. Sorry, Vanilla Ice. Sorry, Vanilla Ice for being very vanilla in your performance. Um, It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's just kind of kind of dull which you don't expect when you watch the trailer to this movie dull is not what you expect from it is it no and the thing is it's a good setup i don't hate the setup you know with with properly good writing that actually invested in all the characters and stuff it could actually be really really good and as a serious or a comic film yeah this could work really well as a more straightforward rom-com or as something as slapstick as this you know, you know, you could make a decent romantic movie out of this full of heart, or you could make something absolutely silly. But this movie's With way more poo jokes. You could add at least three times the number of poo jokes to this movie. With more jokes in which, like, a, he leans into a man to check his breath on the plane, which is somehow more disgusting to me than peeing or pooing. Oh yeah, and should we mention the fact that she gives him a hand job on the plane? Yeah, um, there's yeah, there's a lot of weird kind of, of sex stuff. We- isn't there's there? weird sex stuff in this movie. It's, it's not particularly funny. It's just quite odd. No, it's just used as another extension of her. Like, look at me, I'm so chaotic and weird. I'm chaotic. I'm a woman that has sexual desires, 
and I I have so many sexual desires that I make other women have sexual desires about you, the most boring man in the world. Yeah, it's all tied up with him, isn't it? Yeah. It's all to do with him. Um, so, yeah. It's like she's not actually her own person. No, she, well, th- th- is, is this an example of the manic pixie dream girl taken to the nth degree? It's the manic pixie poop girl. <laughs> manic poopsie dream girl. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's... Um, you know, I love a good chaos dancing montage, and this film had that. You know, where was that in 500 Days of Summer? That's <laughs> true. It's true. Um, but yeah, it's... it's um, that That's kind of what this movie is. It takes that idea and just makes it as crude as it possibly can and throws it into the situation. But it avoids anything to do with that trope that kind of works and just has the nonsense. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a fan of nonsense. But it has to be good nonsense. Or at least enjoyable nonsense. Maybe not good nonsense. Um, and so, I don't know, th- this movie weirdly disappointed me from the trailer, which I initially thought didn't look very good anyway. But th- but there's moments which elevate it slightly, and it's mainly Lauren Lapkus, let's be honest. She's the one that elevates this to a level that it beyond what it should be. But then when it doesn't actually live up to creating the chaos that that character could provide, it really then just becomes an absolute chore. Yeah. No, see, I, I went in with low expectations and I think I thought it was better than I was expecting, but my expectations were very low. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's better. It's better than what I thought it was going to be. But at the same time, it's mildly disappointing because of what it could have been, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, you can sense that in there is the kernel of a good idea and a, a fun and well executed film, but it does it doesn't give you that. So it? we are the script doctors now. Let's put on our surgical gowns. Let's save the wrong Missy. How could we make this movie better? We're going to perform an autopsy. <laughs> Where did this movie die? How could we have saved it? So what would you have done? How how would you have changed this movie to make it a good film? I don't know. You have to... It, the problem is mainly, I think, with David Spade's character being so boring, isn't yeah. it? You have to give him some... Re- you have to give us a reason to care about the fact that he's recently singled or about his job or whatever... You know, maybe that's to do with like his family or his interests or something. You only need one or two scenes where it like actually explores his character rather than him just being a boring business guy, and that could make a big difference, right? Yeah, and I I think they could use. I mean, forgetting Sarah Marshall has almost the same kind of setup, but with a different focus, I suppose. Yeah, and they could use that as a template where. What if David Spade's character... Because the weird rap in this comes at almost the same time as the Dracula Puppet musical. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Um, the, the bit at which the film suddenly becomes a musical and then isn't, that's actually kind of a trope now, isn't it? Yeah, we, that's come up in quite a few of the things we've watched. Um, but you could even... Holmes and Watson You could it. even <laughs> keep David Spade in this role if you wanted. I think he could pull off this thing, although I'd rather have less of an age gap between the two leads, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, and I wouldn't want to recast Lauren Lapp because I think that character and that performance no. you can do a lot with. Um, but what if you had him as a boring man who has weirdness who he hides from the people around him? What if he has really... St- oh, right. What if yeah. he has really strange hobbies that he's really passionate about, which he doesn't talk to anyone about? So what if he... We've talked about Warhammer Hearts. What if he's a really big model painter? in his spare time but he can't talk to the people at work about it because they'll think he's strange and a, and a nerd and everything like that and he needs missy to bring him out of his shell yeah and and so um you know that the, the you first... know who's a big model railway enthusiast by the way 
um, David Spade. Well, I don't know. Maybe no, Rod Stewart. <laughs> oh, really? Did you know uh, that? Okay, I did yeah. not know that. He like used to take his um, his model railways on tour with him in a separate van so that he could work on them when he wasn't performing. Oh, I don't care for his music, but I love that. That's that's really cool. Actually, I like that. Maybe maybe he is a um, a train man. What if he's a, a train watcher? Yeah, um, yeah, that could be his I'd, passion I'd for that. And. So he doesn't he doesn't talk about it with anyone, but then um, you know it doesn't come up in the initial date with Missy. But they have these conversations where they talk about, oh, you don't care about anything. Why are you why are you so boring? Why don't you have any passions? He's like, I have passions, and then he admits it, and then looks through his phone and shows her all the photos of the trains that he's taken photos of that he's seen. Yeah, or she she unlocks the door one day and finds his his model train collection. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. But then looking at it on the phone can then tie into her finding the um, the wrong messy, Missy stuff in that maybe oh, she's right. looking through at the photos when he's having a shower or something and then accidentally pops onto the messages. Or maybe a message pops up from his best friend, the incredibly annoying, boring man, who I can't even remember who plays him. He's not worth talking about. It's always, they always have a best friend at work, don't they? Yeah, the best, the best work friend. Because um, it all just has to happen at work. No one actually has a life. <laughs> no, exactly. So, so maybe it's maybe it's something like that. Maybe he's got these hidden things that he's passionate about, but he can't share them. And um, they talk more about that. It's more of a collaborative, emotional thing than a transactional thing. Because that's what that's what's at the heart of this movie is it's transactional rather than emotional. Their mm. their connection. Yeah, that's why it doesn't as a rom- as a romance. That's why it doesn't work and why it feels unsatisfying, right? Because yes. it feels transactional. But at the same time, I think it would be really good if this movie did more about how being in a relationship with Timothy Morris would be of benefit to Missy. <laughs> yes, as exactly. well. Because at the moment, what does she get out of this relationship with with Timothy Morris? She doesn't really get anything apart from going to a fancy place for a holiday. Nothing. And you feel like it, it's all just because she seems to need somewhere to unload all of her chaos. Yeah. And so maybe there's maybe there's something else to that where we can have um, that kind of emotional connection between them built there, which actually explains why she would be interested in Timothy Morris as a human being. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, that that's the kind of thing we need from from this movie because at the moment it doesn't have that heart to it that it really needs. But apart from that, I think the general setup could work really well and you have the opportunity to turn this into a really stupid slapsticky chaos movie that it just doesn't 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 create at the end of the day. It really fails to do that. Yeah, and it's it's very much a missed opportunity. Yes, yeah, 100%, 100%. Um so is there anything else you want to say about this film? Um, no, I don't think so. I already talked about a Vampire Weekend. Just another shout out to Jeff Pearson, who plays his boss, who I don't think I'd really seen in anything else, although my filmography tells me that he was in Jack and Jill, but I can't remember him. <laughs> He's somewhere in Jack and Jill. There we go. Yeah, I've blocked that film from my memory. But no, him him doing his kind of madness of King George thing was fantastic. Yeah, that I enjoyed really that. Good. I enjoyed that. Um, so... Um, I just wanted to highlight this movie did not do very well with critics or audiences. Um, it received a 33 on average out of 100 from critic scores and also received negative reviews from from audiences as well, uh, which is, you know, it's a bit of a shame. But 
Sounds about right. Sounds sounds about right. Um, so, um, in terms of the the negative um, negative reviews, um, there's some mean stuff. Mean stuff said. Um, so our boy Roger Moore, no relation, says no, um, not that one. Uh, Spade practically cringes through this thing. Not a good look when you're a high mileage fifty five, um, which is which is not not particularly complimentary. Um, no, I think that's a bit ageist, but the age gap is a bit strange. In this it is, it is it? a bit odd. The age gap. You'd have thought that they could have had someone who was a bit more age appropriate. Um, uh, Barry Hertz from the Globe and Mail says, um, "Overriding everything is a profound sense of laziness. Uh, jokes do not land here so much as they ooze forth slow and noxious." <laughs> Um, but but there's some which are a little bit closer to home in terms of how we feel about some aspects of the movie. Um, where uh, here's one from David Hughes at Empire saying the wrong Missy is a little hidden miss, but it's funny and inventive. I disagree with that. But it does say Lapkus is good enough to make the word zany tolerable again, and I think that is true. I think her performance is That's fair. is basically the thing that tries to save this from from absolute failure. Um, and Variety said it makes you want to see what Lauren Lapkus's next act is. Um, yes, which, that's true. I genuinely like. I want her to be in loads of stuff, and I want her to be successful, and I want to see her doing her thing. Yeah, and she's she's been in a fair amount so far. Um, I'd love to see her be the lead in something else. Yeah. Um, she's in uh, Star Trek Lower Decks, which I don't know if you've seen. No, which is the animated it? comedy Star Trek series, which is quite funny. Yeah. Um, she's in Orange Is the New Black as well um for for a fair few episodes as well um so she's been in bits and pieces um already and of course she's in Holmes and Watson the greatest movie of all time yeah um but I'd really like her to get a really strong lead performance in something again um I would love to see that because I think there's a lot of comedic quality there that uh that deserves to be the focus of something definitely um, so a little bit of, of, of trivia for you before we round this out. Um, did you know that this movie has uh, lots of people related to Adam Sandler and Rob Schneider attached to it? I got that feeling. So yeah. Adam Sandler's daughter. You get a vibe, don't you? Uh, yeah, Adam Sandler's daughters appear in the hotel lobby scene uh, as two girls arguing with Missy. That's, that's Adam right. Sandler's daughters. Um, the actor playing Stuart, who's Winston's assistant, is Adam Sandler's nephew, Jared Sandler, oh. who also appeared in Grown Ups 2, Father of the Year, and Sandy Wexler, other Adam Sandler movies. Are, he's, he's quite good, that character, actually. So when the, the first time we see the boss, he comes up, he goes, I've got your coffee, sir. And he goes, I don't want a coffee. And he goes, <laughs> shall I? Should, should, I, drink should it? I drink it? And then he goes, I don't care. Um, and... In terms of Rob Schneider relations, uh, the cover version of My Neck, My Back, which plays during the, the threesome oh, scene. Oh, yeah, that was weird. That is uh, a song by Rob Schneider's daughter, Elle King. She did a cover oh, of it. Oh, yes. She's a musician. Yes. That's right. I did know that. Um, so, yeah, lots of people related to uh, Schneider's and Sandler's involved in the in the creation of this movie which oh, i thought was well, interesting well there you go um so have we got anything else Good to add or should we get on to to rating this i think we should rate it so um how many bits of chum do you pull out of your hair before you vomit on a boat which yeah. is a scene in this movie by the way yep chum being dog food that sharks also love um i've got six bits of chum out of a possible 20 
Five, five for Lauren Lapkus and then one for Jeff Pearson and none for anyone else. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to go one higher on seven, but this movie is pretty, pretty awful, I'm afraid. Yeah, it's not great. No, no. But not a bad diversion and a nice kind of shift in tone from you know what we've what we've been doing so far so not not a bad one for this for this point i think a good choice yeah yeah for sure for sure so what have we got next then well i thought something completely different it's a film that came out had its 20th anniversary last year and i think we've been knocking around the idea for a while the very very important film in popular culture and a very very important love story that i can't believe it's taken this, us this long to get to got any got any ideas um, I'm not sure if it's going to be something good or something truly awful based on the way you've described it. You could well, that be trolling depends. me. No, no, I'm not trolling you. Maybe I'm ogring you because it's Shrek. Oh, amazing. Excellent. Some, somebody once told me we're going to be watching Shrek. Yeah, <laughs> I just told you now. <laughs> but yeah, if, if, um, we may do the sequels at another point. I thought about making it like a marathon, but let's just do the first one because it stands alone as a, a kind of an artifact of culture, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Brilliant. I'm excited about this. Cool. All right. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in. We really, really hope you enjoyed this discussion of The Wrong Missy. If you, have, if you haven't seen it, then I don't know. There's probably better, probably better stuff out there. But if you have seen it, then hope you enjoyed it, hearing us talking about it. <laughs> if you have seen it, well done. Well yeah, done if you got you. through it, well done. <laughs> Um, you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. You can email us bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail.com. Um, there's a link in our show notes where you can give us money, just like a virtual tip jar. And we will be back next week to talk about Shrek. Actually, in two weeks, because I'm away next week. Alrighty. Excellent. Bye bye. Bye.